0: until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, God, grant us the affection of Christ Jesus, our Lord, that we might know then how to live. We pray in his name. Amen. Would you like to know a mental health secret right now that will give you the ability to survive this interminable pandemic that is still going on? I can't believe it. Two Thanksgivings now in a row. I'll, I'll share in just a moment with you some, some of the research corroborating this mental health secret. But right now, we need to set up the story. We need to go to an unforgettable moment with the Apostle Paul, that intrepid missionary and now prisoner. And I know what you're thinking. He said, hey, what, what do you mean, Paul? We, we got him executed last Sabbath. Well, you're right. But that's what preachers can do. They can bring him back again. And we're, <laughs> we're bringing Paul back again because Thanksgiving is upon us, all right? I don't know if you've ever sailed the Atlantic Ocean as I have. Missionary's kid, been across it twice, east to west. I'm telling you, there's no ocean on Earth quite like the Atlantic. It can, it can cook up, brew up a humdinger, a whopper of a storm. We were in one of those storms. My dad said, come on, boy, let's go to the top deck up to the top deck. I'm clutching onto my dad's hand as tightly as I can. He opens that door, the air pressure changes, and here is this wind just raking across this massive iron ocean liner. My eyes pop. Not because of fear, but because of what I'm seeing. Never in my life have I seen waves five, six, seven, eight stories tall. And that old ocean liner comes to the crest of that next wave, comes over the top, and then crashes down into the trough, and when it hits the bottom, it's just like that roller coaster ride when you hit the bottom, and, it's just... and then everything comes back up again. I'm telling you all this because I can't imagine, for Paul, what it was like on that little Roman sailing vessel in the heart of this, this nor'easter cyclone bomb. I don't even imagine the sales are still up. But I want to go to that story. You need to read it to believe it. So I'm not going to tell it. Let's just read it. Open your Bible to the book of Acts, right near the end of the book of Acts. One more vignette from the life of this man we've been tracking all this semester. This is the last one. Acts chapter 27. Please find it. I'll be in the New International Version. When a gentle, this is verse 13. So drop down to verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, This the captain and the pilot, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Julius the Centurion has to get his prisoner to Nero into the courtroom of Caesar. So they're going to have to cross the uh, Mediterranean. Bad time to be crossing it. Verse 14. But before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster, swept down from the island. And the ship, verse 15, was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. They're not even, they're not even sailing now. They're just being battered into submission. Now, I'll drop down to verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we... And by the way, that's Dr. Luke. Physician, traveling companion. We. So, he, two Christians on board. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Verse 21. And after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them, and he said... And I love this. And he said and this little vignette of Paul. Man, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. They'd had a big debate before the, <laughs> before the ship took off. Shall we stay for the winter, shall we go? The, the, the owner and the pilot and the centurion say, we go. And Paul said, that's a big mistake, and he cannot resist just letting you know, I told you so. Didn't I tell you this? Yeah. Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Verse 23, last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Hit the pause button right there. You have an angel standing beside you right now. We already did this with the choir first service. Don't look again. You have an angel standing beside you right now. You and I forget that angel. We forget this celestial companion that, since the moment we, we gulp down our first breath of Earth air coming out of Mama's tummy, that angel has been assigned to keep a careful eye on you night and day. Everywhere you've been, that angel has been. Everything you've done, that angel has seen. Every life moment that you've lived, that angel has been with you. It's the closest unseen friend you have on this planet. Wow. How did he put this? Put this Verse 23. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me, and he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, man, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as my angel told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Mm, bad news. Very next line. And on the 14th night, they've been 14 days and night in this cyclone bomb. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea, when about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. Drop down to verse 33. Just before dawn, Paul then urges them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. And after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God. (laughs) Oh, my. I mean, we go to the cafeteria and we're not sure should we really bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's just let's just breathe a prayer. We go to a restaurant. Well, I don't wanna, I don't want to be seen by everybody praying, so I'll just say a prayer in my heart. How did that go again? And after this, after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all pagans that they are. Then he broke it, and he began to eat, <laughs> they were all encouraged, and they ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board, and when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain, that's breakfast, into the sea. We won't need another meal. This is it. Down to Davy Jones' locker if we're not saved. My. Let's ISO that line again, please. After he said this, Paul took some bread and gave thanks to God." Could that be the secret to this this mental health tip? Why would Paul do that? He doesn't care what the others are thinking. You know why he does it? Because thanksgiving for him has become a way of life. It wasn't always, but it became a way of life. Listen to this. Gratitude was his mantra. And thanks be to God. Is his credo. Five times in his letters, he'll say that. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. He's always thanking God. What's up with that? This is my favorite of his five thanks be to God's. Let's put it on the screen here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We're talking Calvary. We're talking the cross. Thanks be to God for that gift. In fact, he's just described it in the previous chapter. We might as well read it. This is uh, chapter 8, verse 9, 2 Corinthians. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich... Oh, boy, was he ever. Yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty... Can you believe this? So that you might become rich. Wow. Gratitude was his mantra. And thanks be to God was his credo. And what does that have to do with a mental health tip to survive this pandemic that's refusing to say goodbye? I go to Google. I go to Google, and I say, okay, Google, can you prove to me that there is some sort of link between between gratitude and mental health? Boom. Hundreds. I'm talking about Literally hundreds of studies. Boom, boom, boom. The effect of gratitude on our bodies, I just scribbled a list down here. How it affects our sleep, our blood pressure, our physical health, our mental health, our mortality, our longevity, to name a few. Harvard, Duke, UC Berkeley, and on and on and on. In fact, there's a whole wing now of psychology called positive psychology where they focus on nothing but the effects of gratitude. Paul was onto something and he didn't even know the research. I'm going to share with you three studies. That's what I want to do right now. i run just running by you. Three. The first study has to do with social media, all right? Instagram. So, they did, they did this research. They took uh, undergraduate students like we have here this morning. Between the ages of 18 and 24, they divided them into two groups. You'll be the gratitude group, and you'll be the control group, all right? Now, watch this. I'll put it on the screen. Participants in the gratitude group we were instructed to post one picture with a caption related to gratitude on Instagram for seven days. Hey, here's a picture of my grandmother. Look at her. She is the most wonderful woman in the world. I am so thankful for my, for my grand, grandmother. If she, were, if she got on Instagram, I'd tell her right now, Grandma, I love you to pieces. All right? So one Instagram post dealing with gratitude. The control group, the other group, here's what they posted. We'll read it right here. Likewise, the control group was to post a picture with a caption related to color. Color. So, I don't know. What would you post? Here's my cat. And the colors are... Isn't this a beautiful cat? It's brown and white and a little bit of black. That's all they're allowed to do. Picture and then comment about the color. That's the caption. Now, what happens when they take a battery of psychological tests at the conclusion of this testing. How did they do? I'll share that with you in a moment. Let's go to study number two. So, this is social media study number one. Number two is a texting study. Everybody loves to text. Let's put this one on the screen, please. The the objective of this study was to examine if participants in a 20-day gratitude text message intervention... I'm going to hit the pause button right there. Gratitude intervention by text message. Now, here's what's going on. The participants are not doing anything. They just get texts, okay? They're not sending texts. They're not writing messages. They're just receiving. And that's why it's called an intervention. They've done nothing. Now, watch what happens. So they get this 20, day grat- 20 days of gratitude text messaging. What did it do? It was to examine if it in any way improves resilience, stress and now notice the next one, and mental health scores more than participants in, control, in a control group. Can gratitude actually, just by you taking it in, you're not sending anybody a message, can it reverse the symptoms of depression that you're suffering from? I need to tell you something about this study. Some of you are not suffering from depression at all. That's okay. But there you have many friends that you know. What this is saying is if you just take, take some time out and once a day shoot that friend of yours by self-confession experiencing depression and just send a word of gratitude, just send a message about gratitude, that's all you have to do for 20 days. Then they measure the effects of these, of these uh, participants in the study. And by the way, while you're sending the text, endorphins, you know, those little uh, chemicals inside of you when you do something good for somebody else? They're just going to town. Because why? You're helping somebody else. It's not just me, 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 me all the time. All right, three studies. First one is on social media. Second one's on texting. The last one is on writing. You can write on a laptop or you can write by hand. And let's put this one on the screen. Okay? Participants were instructed to write non-trivial letters of gratitude to an individual to express appreciation for them. Now, what's a trivial letter? Dear Grandma, thanks for the socks. Love you lots. Bye. That's trivial. Come on. You, you, you didn't tell your grandma the thing, did you? No, you did You just thanked her for the socks, because you had to. Okay. Participants were instructed to write... Hey, go back, please. ...were instructed to write non-trivial letters of gratitude to an individual to express appreciation for them. Now, keep reading. Watch how they're supposed to write. Participants were asked to be reflective write expressively and compose letters from a positive orientation while avoiding thank you notes for material gifts." Well, we got that part. What did they find? In fact, you know what? This could be a summary. This could be a summary for all three of these tests. Let's put it on the screen. Here's what they found. The present investigation contributes to the literature by further clarifying that writing letters of gratitude... Now, I put that line under it. Writing letters of gratitude has a cumulative effect that benefits the author, the writer of the letter. Keep going. The implications are that this type of expressive writing can benefit those who suffer from depressive symptoms. Some of you are suffering from depression right now. Could it be? That letters of gratitude could actually turn the edge of that dark depression. Could it be? Keep reading. Gratitude appears to be a powerful and pre-existing resource Resource that, when utilized, can produce positive effects upon well-being. Here we go. As a tool for mining that resource. In other words, you already have it. You don't have to buy it somewhere. You don't have to order it online. You have gratitude already. As a tool for mining that resource, letters of gratitude have produced positive outcomes related to important qualities of well-being. What are they? Happiness, life satisfaction, and depressive symptoms. Symptoms. I'm not making this stuff up. Mercy, letters of gratitude, can relieve depressive symptoms. So, is anybody surprised when you take the, the 13 letters that Paul wrote to discover that eight of them, eight out of the 13, begin with, the, be, begin with expressions of gratitude? In fact, I'm going to share with you just five of them, because they were all they're the five that were written in prison, chained to a wall or chained to a Roman guard. He's scribbling out. He opens the letters, always with gratitude. Watch this. Let's go. Let's go to Ephesians 1.16. I have not stopped giving thanks for you. This is written from prison. Remembering you in my prayers. Wow. You'll notice these are all at the beginning of the first chapter. Let's go to Philippians also in prison. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Let's go to Colossians, the opening lines. We, because others are in prison with him, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Keep going. There's one more. To a rich uh, businessman. His name is Philemon. Opening of his letter. It's a very short letter. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. And now we're going to look at the last letter that we have that he ever wrote, ever, ever, ever. We spent time with it last last week, 2 Timothy. To my beloved son Timothy. Remember, that's how it opens. Then he writes, I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience as night and day. Timothy, I constantly remember you. Oh, I thank God for you. I remember you in my prayers. How could this prisoner be so grateful? Five letters, all written from prison, and he's thanking God. He's thanking God for whoever's the the recipient of this letter. I tell you why. Paul can be. Because he knows the debt that he owes to the Lord Jesus. By the way, a debt you and I owe as well. Paul severely learned that on the Damascus Road. He never forgot it. As long as there is breath in me, I will show gratitude to God and I will show gratitude to people." And he never stopped. Gratitude was his mantra. Oh, I like that line. And thanks be to God was his credo. So what would happen if we pause right now? Come on, let's do a little research right here. We're gonna pause right now. Inside inside your little uh, worship bulletin, there is a piece of stationery. Let's try it. Come on. We'll try it. There's a piece of stationery. If you didn't get a piece of stationery, just put your hand up. Our ushers are really fast in getting it to you, so you won't have to wait long. But put your hand up high enough for us to see it. I see hands there. Good. This is for, this is for you to use. Uh, Dwight, what am I going to do with this? Well, you'll simply focus your, your grateful attention on some human being. And you're going to tell them, man, oh, man, I am so grateful for your friendship. Oh, Mom, I am so grateful I got you as a mother. Dad, you're the one I got. Wow. Hey, roommate, thank you for being putting up with all of my craziness. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. I am so grateful for you. Hey, colleague on the job, down the hall, door to the left. I am so grateful that we work on the same team. You are such a blessing to me. Hey, neighbor, come on. I thank God every time I think about you. Scribble it down. Take a moment right now. If you remember the address and you put it on the other side, guess what? We will mail this. We will mail this anywhere in the world. I told the guys in First Service, even to Brazil, we'll send it. No postage charge to you. We'll mail it for you. If you write the letter and put the address on it, we'll we'll mail it. You say, Dwight, I can't even find. I've been holding my hand up. They're not coming my way. Hey, come on. You got your phone? You don't have to wait for for it to go through the U.S. mail. Just come on. Just text somebody. And don't just say, hey, love you, bye. But say, you you know what I really love about you? I am so grateful for the kind of moral stamina you have. I've seen what you've been through. You are something else. I praise God for you. That's what you do. That will not only bless the recipient, it will bless you. You're reaching out. Gratitude is your mantra. Thanks be to God is your credo. Let's do it. Why not? And by the way, if you can't think of anybody, write a letter to God. Now I write a letter to God every morning. I'm telling you the truth. Every morning I write a letter to God. I, I've, cl- I've kept them. And it's made a difference in my life. I predict it will make a difference in your life as well. Write a letter to God. Do it for Jesus' sake. Or do it for the sake of your own mental health.